peace of our Lord be with you. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry, for you will be filled. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. And woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. I cannot speak for you, but as someone who, by any measure that Jesus possibly could have had in mind, I am rich, I find those words uh, difficult to hear. I don't know what Jesus meant by rich, but whatever he meant by rich, I am one of those upon whom Jesus pronounced a woe and not a blessing. So I find this passage difficult to hear. Um, it's one of those passages that the lectionary uh, makes it difficult for us not to talk about because once you've read those words out loud in a room, then it's difficult not to, to think together out loud about them. I took them this week and read them in different parts of our city. I went on a long prayer walk on Wood Street and then looped around and walked down Bailey Avenue while reading them aloud. And I also took them to the corner of Maple and Fortification, um, just a couple of blocks west of Lanier High School to the old Maple Street housing project where I used to have a worship service every Sunday afternoon from 2003 to 2007 in an abandoned apartment. Our pews were folding metal chairs. Our pipe organ was a gray plastic boom box. I found the spot where that apartment would have been then. They've since been condemned and uh, demolished and I found the spot and I, I read these words there and I made them the Bible verse of the week uh, for, for the J.C. Park Bible class this week too. It's important to remember how different words of scripture sound on the ears of different children of God. These words, which we've read this morning, come at the beginning of what is often called the Sermon on the Level Place or the Sermon on the Plain, which is Luke's version of Matthew's version of the same collection of sayings delivered by Jesus in Matthew's Gospel on a mountain, hence the name Sermon on the Mount. 
but in today's gospel on a level place and hence the name the Sermon on the Plain Luke's version of the sermon is much shorter than Matthew's in Luke it only takes up 32 verses in Matthew 109 verses but what Luke's record lacks in length, it more than makes up for in strength. Pronouncing as it does the reversal of life as we have come to know it and understand it. Blessed are the poor, woe to the rich. Blessed are the hungry, woe to the full. Blessed are the persecuted, woe to the popular. Words which belong to a much longer, wider stream in the Bible, a Bible-wide stream which underscores the passion and concern of God for the vulnerable and the voiceless, the hurting and the poor. A stream which begins at least as early as Exodus chapter 22 where the Bible says, if you lend money to the poor, you shall not charge them interest. Picks back up in Leviticus chapter 19. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap all the way out to the edges of your field. You shall leave the edges for the poor. Then in Isaiah chapter 1, God refuses to accept the worship of the people of God not because their worship was poorly planned or poorly offered, but because the people of God did not stand up for the powerless by standing up against injustice. After which, in Isaiah chapter 56, God says that all the marginalized and ostracized immigrants and eunuchs are welcome and wanted in the family and house of God followed by Isaiah chapter 58, where God is reported to have said to the people of God, feed the hungry, house the homeless, and clothe the poor. After which Amos roars, I know how great are your sins, you who push aside the needy. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-rolling stream. And we haven't even crossed over to the New Testament yet where Paul reminds the Corinthians of the Old Testament principle that those who have much should not have too much, so that those who have little will not have too little. And James 1.27 calls the people of God to care for widows and orphans, which is always Bible shorthand for the powerless and the voiceless, the vulnerable and the poor. And then, of course, there's Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus makes the deciding factor on Judgment Day not what we believed about Jesus, but how we responded to the hungry, the stranger, the prisoner, and the sick. Not to mention the Gospel of Luke. Of the four Gospels, the only one to include Mary's song in Luke chapter 1, where Mary sings that God is going to bring down the powerful and lift up the lowly, after which Luke will also be the only one of the four Gospels to include the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, 
lowly Lazarus, lifted up and filled. Just as Mary sang it would be back in Luke chapter 1. In the midst of which Jesus, in today's gospel lesson, is reported to have said, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The Sermon on the Plain, taking its place in that Bible-wide stream of verses and voices which call for the people of God to embody the passion of God for whoever is most marginalized and ostracized, powerless, voiceless, hurting, suffering, oppressed, broken, ashamed, sick, sad, alone, left out, outcast, vulnerable, and poor. So here is a question for us to ponder together. If it is true that Jesus is the best look we have ever had at God, and if it is true that the four Gospels are a trustworthy record of the words and works of Jesus. Then taken seriously, not literally, but just seriously, what does the Sermon on the Plain, not to mention much of the rest of the Bible, tell us about what matters most to God? and what therefore should matter most to us. I'm judged by this passage. I'm on the woe is you side of this, right? I'm rich. I don't know what to do with this. But as I walked with it this week and sat with it, I was reminded of an experience I had several times when we were in Washington. If any of you have ever been to the First Baptist Church of Washington, D.C., you know that it's sort of the Baptist cathedral of North America. It is massive and it is glorious and wonderful in every visual way one can imagine. And in the very, very back of the balcony facing 16th Street in our nation's capital, there is one of the grandest stained glass windows imaginable. It is a rose window of Jesus full-size, much bigger than life Jesus, stretched out in stained glass. And overlooking the porch of our church, where 
many nights, a handful of homeless persons would sleep. If you were an usher at First Baptist Church in Washington, often one of your Sunday morning jobs was to wash urine and feces off of the porch and the steps where our neighbors had slept on nights a lot colder than the one we just finished. And sometimes I would go sit in the balcony of the church and get as close to that window as I could and wonder if Jesus was up there caught in that window trying to get out Get down, get on that porch with Jesus' friends and our neighbors. Years later, after we got here, I learned more about Jesus from being with all of you actually wrote a song about it. Jesus looks pretty caught up in stained glass, but he is a hard one to keep nailed down in place. Late in the evening, when no one is looking, climbing down into the street, to give some sinner grace. <clears throat> Maybe for today it's enough for all of us to take the Jesus of the four gospels seriously. That when we see somebody sitting down with and standing up for and being kind to and generous with whoever is most marginalized, ostracized, powerless, voiceless, Hurting, suffering, oppressed, broken, ashamed, sick, sad, alone, left out, outcast, and poor. We might automatically, instinctively say, now they're doing what Jesus would do if Jesus was here. Maybe just that enough for today.